hey, thanks so much for joining me on the Cocktai Podcast. I'm your host, Gary. In case you're new to the show, I'm the editor and envelope moistening engineer here at Fortner.com. We don't get a ton of snail mail here at the fort, but when we do, we can't afford to use a fancy expensive glue stick or envelope dampener, no. Morden gave us the tools, and by his hammer, we'll use them. You may have seen me as the DM for Quest for the Cure or Ice Holes, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, as Cicero on Cyberpunk Independence, as Doc on Scribes and Scrolls, or sailing on the SS Failboat over at Talon and Claw. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show or follow us on social media at fortnerd.com. That's at fortnerd, D-O-T-C-O-M. Or both. Both works for me, but whatever works for you is fine. This coming Saturday is our next episode of Quest for the Cure. Join the creator of the Forgotten Realms, Ed Greenwood, Amy Lynn DeZura, Blair Brown, Emma Wakelin, and Eric Borden as they adventure for this amazing cause. The game is taking place on Saturday, June 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash teamsquadup. All funds raised benefit Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy Research. We've raised close to $20,000 since September 2020, and we're pushing hard to increase that total. So please, consider joining us for the game and sharing the information if you can. Today, Dark Alliance launches everywhere. You can find it on Xbox One X and S, Xbox One, Xbox Game Pass, PS4 and Steam, PS5, and Epic. Dark Alliance is a third-person action RPG based on the classic book The Crystal Shard by R.A. Salvatore. A cooperative brawler set in Icewind Dale, it supports play for one to four players. It won't be co-op if you're playing by yourself, of course, but there's nothing wrong with playing the game with only you as your ally. Players will assume one of four roles, either Brunor, the Dwarven King, Caddy Bree, the ranged specialist and tactician, Wolfgar, the powerful barbarian, or the legendary Drow, Drizzt. Each character has unique powers and abilities. Brunor, for example, is a tank, using his axe and shield to bring the pain. He can defend himself and buff others as well, and he can take a beating. But like the others, he can be played offensively if that's what you prefer. It sounds like he might be the most adaptable of the four-player heroes, actually. Caddy Bree focuses on ranged attacks and battlefield control. She keeps her distance, raising hell. Many of her abilities center on battlefield control, which will help keep her melee-focused allies get the upper hand. Wolfgar is a barbarian with a hammer. He's big and he's strong, and he likes to hammer things into the ground. Drizzt is an attacking character that focuses on lightning-quick strikes and good positioning. It sounds like he'll be a light infantry capable of dealing heavy damage in the right circumstance, but not being able to take much punishment. Staying away from claws, teeth, and weapons will be key for him. D&D players will feel a strong familiarity with the game, with powers, feats, and abilities. They'll be similar, but not the same as to what you might see in a tabletop game, because they're balanced for a different medium. There are a lot of different reasons why people may pick up Dark Alliance. They may be fans of the original series or Salvatore's books. They may be tabletop fans, or they might just love fun. Whatever the reason, Dark Alliance looks like a great game to sit down and play with your friends. You can play casually or strategically by yourself, because if you're solo, the only person saving your ass is you. There's challenging combat, fascinating elements of lore, and vibrant landscapes. The game is out today. Starting tomorrow, over on the Fortner Twitch channel, which I'll link in the show notes, you'll be able to catch a live playthrough of the game. It's happening every Wednesday at 8.30 Eastern Time. Also, later this week, look for a bonus episode of this fine podcast where I fare some of my first impressions about the game. My guest today is Josh Simons. 
He's a freelance TTRPG designer, a variety streamer and TTRPG player, and he's the assistant director of ambassadors for Jasters Game Day. I hope you enjoy my chat with Josh Simons. Hey, Josh, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I always like to start with this question because I love knowing how people started in gaming. Obviously, most of the people who know you know you're very active in Dungeons and Dragons. So I really would like to know what was your first experience with Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, so um, I had in college uh, actually like experimented with war gaming a little bit. Um, uh, and so from there, I had, you know, made a couple of friends who, you know, were actually interested in, in tabletop gaming, um, uh, beyond just like, I want to reenact X battle. Um, and so, um, one day they were like putting together a campaign and someone was like, Hey, Josh, uh, are you interested in joining us for this session of D and D? And I was like, I mean, like, you know, I guess maybe like, isn't it like, I didn't really have much of a leg to stand on here as a war gamer, but you know, isn't it like kind of like, like a nerdy thing? Like, isn't that like a thing that like people don't do? And they were like, yeah, no, it's totally cool. You'll, you'll have fun. Like you used to do it like theater and whatnot. You'll, you'll enjoy it. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Um, and uh, showed up and did in fact enjoy it and uh, proceeded to go and like consume something obscene like 80 hours of like ttrpg content between that session and the following session uh and so went from session one no idea what i was doing to session two like oh don't forget to use that spell and this thing and the other thing uh yeah it, it was it was an overnight flip of the switch where i went from yeah i don't know about this too no this is really fun i want it do you have any memories of that first game like what gripped you and sort of sucked you in? Because obviously if you're doing, I assume it was like a week or two weeks between the sessions, because if you're consuming 80 hours of TTRPG content, there must've been one sort of seminal moment. Yeah. Um, so I was playing with a couple of like college acquaintances um, and we played the Lost Mine of Fandelver um, like adventure from, from the starter kit. Um, and there was just this phenomenal interaction before we like had even like gotten to like the start of the adventure, right? The adventure starts here on the road. You've been hired by this dwarf. Anyways, here you are encounter and we like get to the, okay, well, let's do introductions. And, uh, the DM like decided to RP through the, here's the, you know, the mission that you get or whatever. And so we like had a conversation with this guy who's like, nah, I can't stick around and talk more. I have to go. And so we're like, okay, all right, I guess. Uh, and then uh, proceeded to like get lost in town for an hour. Um, and and I like had this like eye-opening moment. Where I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like the DM clearly has nothing prepared, but we're just like wandering around and they're just making things up. This is just like improv theater. What the heck? I love this. Um, and, and so, you know, that first character I made was like super quiet, was, was strong, silent type. Cause I like, wasn't sure how I felt about RP. And then like, you know, two weeks later at our second session, I was like, so anyways, uh, Steve, my character's name was Steve has had a change of heart. He's going to be very talkative now. Um, and, and it was just 
yeah. Um, so it, it was just that, that realization, like, oh my goodness, like I am in uh, this open world environment and can do literally whatever the hell I want. Yeah. That it's, it's, it's incredible when you have that, that moment where you realize, yeah, I can, I can go anywhere and I can do anything. And it's up to this person behind the screen to figure out if I'm full of shit or not. I love it. Um, so you're a, you're a streamer, you're a freelance TTRPG designer. Obviously, uh, you've been uh, invested in gaming for a while. So you're obviously doing freelance work. When did you know that you actually wanted to become more serious about gaming and doing some work in the field? Yeah. Um, so the funny thing about that is like probably a year and a half before I like started freelancing, I had tried to like write and design my own module and I like wrote it and did the layout on it and it looked like garbage and I put it out and I was like, I can't charge money for this. This is God awful. And then I was like, no, I'm never, I'm never going to write anything again. I'm done. I'm, I quit. I won't do it. Um, and then there was a moment where uh, a year and a half later, I was like, okay, but I really want to play a bard that does this thing. Um, uh, and at the time, College of Eloquence wasn't out. And so I was like, I want to make like a, a bard whose deal is like the spoken word, right? Mm -hmm. It's not music. It's, it's uh, being uh, uh, an orator. And so I wrote the College of Oration um, in conjunction with the DM who was running that particular um, campaign. And I was like, well, you know, I should probably like learn how to do this uh like well and so i took some time and like actually put together like a fancy template for like how to make it look pretty and i didn't have any artwork and so i just like took a picture of me doing the best man speech at my buddy's wedding and just like kind of cobbled this thing together but that second attempt really went a whole lot better than the first one and so i was like eh, i mean i don't hate it if i just learned how to do this thing and tweak that thing I could actually like enjoy this. And I like kind of sat back for a while. And I was like, I don't know if I want to. Um, and it wasn't until um, the start of quarantine, really, um, when uh, I had this idea for a module that I really wanted to write. I really wanted to see published. Um, and I uh, had met some, some of the folks at Mage Hand Press at C2E2 um, less than a month before and shot him a message. I was like, hey, I've got this phenomenal idea for a module that would be really appropriate, would be cathartic. It would help people get through you know, this difficult time as we're all like adjusting to not being able to leave and having no real idea like, like what's gonna take place in the future, give people just a sense of like agency. Um, and they were like, yeah, we don't have uh, anyone available to like write that right now. But if you want to write it, we'll, we'll hook you up with the resources to get it published. That's when I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Uh, and so we, we wrote the module. It's called Dragon Flu Pandemic. And uh, all, all the proceeds go to uh, Feeding America to support um, uh, food banks uh, across the U.S. is our kind of little contribution to uh, making uh, the world a slightly better place during pandemonium times. 
yeah, I, I was looking, I was looking at the module and I, I was hoping we were going to talk about that because I was wondering what prompted you to do it. It was just, it was just a spark of an idea that the collaboration with Mage Hen Press sort of opened the door to. Um, yeah, so I um, gave like a phone call to um, my friend Justin, who works there. And I was like, hey, I don't know, like, this isn't like a formal pitch or anything, but I can put one together if you want. But like, right now, like the world is shutting down and everyone has this sense of like impending doom as we're all going into lockdown. What if we, and really rephrasing that i was like what if you you know release this module and i'll like you know just gladly take credit for the idea and let you run with it um uh and and so yeah i mean it it just kind of stemmed from this conversation about like wow like it is so disheartening to see like how um hopeless people were at, as mm -hmm. things with the pandemic were ramping up and getting worse and worse um for us to then maybe say hey like let's do something right the tabletop community is incredibly giving right Incre incredibly generous what's stopping us from you know kind of kind of all pulling together and trying to to do something that would make a little bit of a difference um and so that's kind of where the idea stemmed from um it, it went through some iterations after that but uh ultimately turned into, into that module and and is to date i mean i think maybe the the product that i'm proudest of just because of of how um how the impact uh, that it, it's had has been um you know i still occasionally get a message from someone like hey i just did x thing with the dragon flu pandemic module and i'm like yes people are still using it obviously you're you're working in this field. You've you've published a, a number of things on on DMs Guild as well as, of course, Dragon Flu Pandemic, and you designed your own tabletop RPG, which I'm really looking forward to chatting with you a little bit about. What's one thing that people might be surprised by working professionally in the TTRPG gaming industry as a job, as a side hustle? Like, hmm, that is a good question. Um there are a lot of things that I think, uh, you might not expect. Um, you know, I mean, cause on, on the one hand, it's a super tight knit community. There's a lot of, of, of information about everything that goes around, but, um, I think a lot of people, um, especially folks who, um, uh, maybe aren't involved in like the, the writing and publishing of, um, modules or supplements or adventures or things like that um, would be really shocked to know the amount of work that goes into even like a two-page document. Um, you know, you get that PDF for like 99 cents or something and and it's, it's remarkable how many hours uh, have gone into that and um, you know, like TTRPGs are, are in, in an okay shape in terms of, you know, well, that, that may, that's maybe an overstatement. There, there are areas of, of the professional um, TTRPG world that are, are really moving in the right direction in terms of um, fair pay and whatnot, but there's also something, um, yeah, it's just, it's just like the amount of labor that goes into a very low cost product is ridiculous. Um, and, and, uh, you know, like 
if I'm being perfectly honest with you, like I, I have not anything that I've self-published, I don't think I've made a cent on mm-hmm. right in terms of returns. Uh, I'm, I'm getting close with a couple of things, but um, you know, I'm putting it out there because I love it. Uh, and because it's a thing that I kind of do um, on the side, right. I have a full-time job that, that pays for my bills. And then I do that for fun and I, you know, pay my artists well, and I pay writers who work with me well and editors who work with me well, and I pay my layout artists well. And, and so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just think a lot of people would be really surprised that like, you know, if, if you looked at my finances, as it came to like TTRPG stuff, you'd be like, damn, Josh is really out that much money and he keeps <laughs> doing it. Why? Um, it's cause it's fun. Uh, you know, that, that, that I, I could probably charge more for things. I'm, I'm trying to find ways to, um, uh, you know, make it, make it more worth my while as well. But, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's has the potential to be wildly profitable. Um, but especially early on or, or especially in, in certain segments when you don't have a, a company with, with some money behind you, um, mm. it's, it's a little tough to be profitable, um, until you kind of really build an established kind of audience that's interested in your stuff. Um, and when you get there, you can start to make it work, but, um, you know, like the freelancers in this industry work so hard for, yeah. for scraps sometimes, um, uh, just, just, it's, it's impressive how, how much work goes in. Um, got a lot of respect for the other freelancers and, and, and folks that are doing this, especially if you're doing it full time, so much respect. Yeah. I, I wrote a supplement called spinning fate, heroic boons and banes, which is just basically an alternative to inspiration. So mm-hmm. it's just a table that has all sorts of ideas about the things that you can do to to just replace inspiration because it's more interesting like a minus one or a plus one to your acrobatics because you're having a great hair day and you're more aerodynamic just just stuff like mm. that and mm. all most of that money is going to quest for the cure i wrote it in support of that product because when right. we do the stream we sell those things and yeah the the return on it relative to the time investment is definitely not worthwhile if it wasn't supporting the the charity and ultimately so every time somebody donates $25 to influence you know Ed Greenwood's role in Quest for the Cure like it's making money that way but in terms of like direct sales it's definitely not exactly what I was expecting so yeah um, definitely definitely appreciate that but you did design your own TTRPG uh, mastermind right where um players assume the roles of minions that are supporting the villainous plans of some big evil person um, offering probably untold uh, hours of, of hijinks. Where did you get the idea for that game? How does it work? And what's been the reaction? Yeah. Um, that was something that uh, I kind of came up. I had the concept of that particular uh, game bouncing around for probably like a year um and then there was this point kind of middle of last year i was like hey i've had this idea floating around i've had like sticky notes strewn across my desk (laughs) you know with with various things for i should probably actually like sit down and like write the thing right um and so i uh yeah i i it's it's very simple it's like a one-page rpg um it, it is inspired by um i guess in terms of like mechanics it's kind of inspired by the honey heist um by uh grant howitt um 
but it was with some slight mechanical differences, but, but that's the inspiration. Um, but, you know, I kind of had this idea as like, look, you know, there's, there's villains, right? There, there's, um, this kind of, um, like archetype or, or this, this, um, cliche that you see over and over again, where you've got this, you know, brilliant villain who has just utterly incompetent servants working under them. And I was like, man, what's it like to be that person who works for the boss and like just constantly gets things wrong? What's that like? And so I wrote a game where you can be that and it's really silly. Um, I, I played it on stream. Um, I did a, a, a two day charity event for my birthday um, this past year and played a session of it uh, on stream um, uh, with some phenomenal people. And we wound up being this, this massive heist where the minions went and uh, stole uh, this priceless artifact from a museum uh, and then um, delivered it to the mastermind's uh, like third grade daughter's classroom for her show and tell. Um, it was just, it was silly. It was, it was absolute chaos um, as, you know, there was like Joey the intern and these strange characters like, anyways, we're going to break into the museum and we're going to steal this priceless artifact and we're going to get out. Uh, it was just, it was chaos, but, um, so, you know, um, yeah, the inspiration behind 90% of what I write is this sounds fun. I want to play it. So I'll write it. Nice. I know you're, you're uh, sort of a, a, a very interesting segue to my, to my next question. Cause I know you're, you're oozing at the walls, uh, trying to talk about your next supplement that you're working on. Right. Um, right. What, what can you share about that and how does it transition to what you just said? Cause it's fun and you want to play it. Yeah. Um, uh, that was, that was a really smooth transition. I just Pretty want good, to commend right? you on Thank that. You. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, uh, the, the listeners at home, um, I have this supplement that I actually designed mostly on stream, um, a couple months ago, and then I've spent some time editing it and refining it recently. Um, uh, it's, I'm, I'm still tweaking the, the name, but it's uh, all about oozes. Um, so it's a bunch of stat blocks for monsters. Um, they're all oozes. And so I've got like some cool, um, uh, like variations on like the gelatinous cube. Um, I've got like, uh, non-Newtonian cube and, and things like that kind of playing with like things that we see in science or or pop culture things and, and taking those ideas and applying them to um ooze creatures and i've also got a playable race in there um the playable race was not designed on stream um so i i'm not like talking too much about that but like all the stat blocks you know we wrote like an ooze that heals it's like you know a, a friendly ooze and we like wrote like an ooze farmer who's like you know the person that takes care of the oozes um, and so, um, this was all just like kind of designed on stream. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's great. Um, I've got, got to get a little bit more artwork in place than actually kind of sit down and, and get that layout done. But, um, I think it's real silly. The whole idea behind it came from, um, you know, I was, had this idea where I was, I was chatting with some other people and we were talking about like, you know, like, what's like 
the weirdest thing that you've like seen someone ever like use an ooze for uh in session or like the weirdest thing because you know like it's kind of like uh, uh i don't want to say like a like a, a tried and true thing at this point but like um you know people will talk about gelatinous cubes being like you know like the the natural kind of uh garbage disposal of of the dungeon um just cleaning things up uh and, and then leaving behind you know a spotless a spotless stone wall um and and i was like well like but there's got to be like other uses for things too right and had a conversation about oozes and then i like made some tweets about like oozes and people had some good ideas and i was like Oh, well, dang, now I got to actually like, sit down <laughs> and write this thing. And so I did, um, and we did it on stream and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Chat was, um, uh, to steal your, your pun, uh, oozing with ideas and puns, many puns. Um, uh, it was, it was a good time though. Obviously you've been doing this for a couple of years now. If you could go back in time, uh, and give your pre-TTRPG design self a piece of advice, whether it's about your streaming career, which I definitely I'm about to get to, sure, uh, or sure. or build or career in design. Um, what what would that what would that advice be? Uh, read more TTRPG books. Um, I I have found that the single most helpful thing uh, when I am writing or designing something is being able to go back and look at something similar that, that exists already um, in whatever system you're working in. So if you're writing for 5e, it's so helpful to reference a stat block that does the exact same thing in 5e um, because then you're just changing flavor text as opposed to you know trying to rewrite mechanics that already exist. Um, but like, um, I think one of like the key signposts that really sets apart someone who um, has been doing design for an extensive period of time versus someone who is brand new is the language that they use to describe the same spell effect. Um, because, you know, if you read uh, spells that do similar things in 5e, they're all going to have the same basic terminology, the same basic phrasing and sentence structure as they describe what happens when you make this check or that saving throw and the subsequent, you know, result, whether you've succeeded or failed, that verbiage is all the same. Um, whereas if you've got someone who isn't as familiar with, with 5e rules, they'll say, make a saving throw. If you succeed, do this thing. If you fail, do that thing. Um, when like the, the official phrasing for that is, um, you know, make whatever saving throw, taking X amount of damage or whatever on a, on a success, right? And so even just like the way that you structure that sentence, the more that you've read what's out there and what's published, um, the better your writing is going to reflect those kind of norms that we see. Um, but also like, honestly, like some of my best ideas come from reading something and going, oh, I like that idea, but I wouldn't do it like this. Um, and so, yeah, just read good TTRPG writing and it will make your TTRPG writing better. If you read it, the ideas will come. Is that sort of... Or at the very least, you know, you, you, you've learned a little bit of world lore or mechanics or something. I mean, every time I go back and, and like reread, uh, you know, the player's handbook or, or the DM's guide or something, I'll come away with, oh, wait, I forgot that was a thing. 
Like <laughs> there is a mechanic for how to jump. Yeah. It, the, the DMG is actually not a book I reference that often. I, I'm surprised at how little I use it. And it would probably be beneficial to me to go back and, and actually read it. I, I usually just look it up when I need something. It's like, right. oh, how does this rule work? I'm going to go look it up as opposed right. to actually reading it, which I should right. probably do. And, you, know, you don't need to read everything, but like, you know, let's, let's say that you happen to have a character who's really interested in like uh, celestial things, then it would be really beneficial to just flip through the bit on Celestia, right? That, that, that is five minutes of your time. It could be a really helpful read to just like, okay, hold up. Here's what's important to that plane. Or there's some cool mechanical things in there and like optional rules and things that are super useful. Yeah. As I mentioned, you're you're a fairly familiar face to, to those in the streaming community as well. You appear on your own channel streaming a variety of video games and TTRPGs, and you appear in charity streams. How do you balance your time between streaming and game development? Because obviously those two things are happening in your spare time. So, yeah. um, and and does, does one, one of those impact the other career-wise? And if so, how? That is a good question. I'm very tempted to just say the answer is poorly and move on. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a serious answer. Um, uh, Streaming uh, for me really started just like a social outlet thing um, uh, where I was like, you know, I haven't left my house in a long time. Uh, aside from like, you know, weekly Zoom calls, I don't see anyone. I should probably like, you know, like do something to like talk to people. Um, and and so decided to stream because um, I was already like playing video games on my own. I may as well, I may as well just like turn on a camera and then, and then maybe I'll actually like have some company and have some conversation along the way. Um, and it's, it's really kind of blossomed into a, a, a fun pastime. Um, I think um, as of right now, you know, like the, the game design thing is fun, but it is probably secondary to streaming um, simply because I have found a lot of success um, with streaming. That doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's all I'm going to do, but, you know, I, I really love um, the TTRPG streams that I do. Um, I would probably prefer to play D&D with friends than write, you know, rules or stat blocks or things on my own um, as, as a personal preference um, because I tend to be very extroverted and social and right now, that's my primary form of, of social interaction. Um, I, I think at some point that may change if, if I have fewer streams, but um, for the time being, I'm really enjoying streaming. Um, and so I think that that is probably the, the priority that I build other things around. Um, and so, you know, when I, I've got, you know, however much free time in a day, I'll say, okay, well, I'm not streaming that day. So I can actually sit down and write, or I can, I'll go do my laundry or something, right? Like, you know, like, uh, um, and, and that's just the, the fact of the matter is, you know, I love doing the TTRPG things and I'll squeeze in as much as possible, but, um, you know, real life definitely comes before at the very least game design if I'm not working on a deadline for something. I mean, if, if I'm under a deadline or, or working on something that isn't for me, that's going to take slightly higher precedence. Um, but if it's just me doing it on my own, 
I'll deal with that when I have time. Every Friday, uh, you appear in Tompo alongside Omega Jones and Latia Jaquise and Lucia Verspriel and HD Paladin, who's your DM over on Rock Punch ATL. Mm -hmm. How did you get started on the show? And for those that may not be familiar with it, what's it all about? Sure. So, yeah, we're in our second season right now. Um, uh, and we are very fortunate to have Lucia join us this season. Um, uh, in the first season, uh, Mackenzie uh, DeArmas um, filled that spot. Um, but due to a couple of things, um, we wound up, uh, Mackenzie is still in chat with us every week, but um, is not on, on stream um, presently. Uh, so um, yeah, as we were putting this together, probably middle of last year, um, I got a message from Paladin one day saying like, hey, um, I've got a stream for this uh, system uh, supplement thing that, that we've just published. Uh, it's the Islands of Sina Una. It's phenomenal. Uh, it is written by um, a team of Filipino writers. Um, all the art is done by Filipino artists. It's, it's incredible. Um, and all of the culture uh, in, in the setting is pre-colonial uh, Filipino culture. So they say, hey, what if um, the Philippines had never been colonized and we were still kind of um, experiencing our culture, like un, unadulterated, untouched by all the folks who came in and, and caused issues. Um, uh, and so uh, they wrote the supplement and it's, it's phenomenal. Um, and so that's, that's really the premise of the show. Um, Paladin, who runs it, uh, was one of the co-directors and Lucia was actually the, the other director. Um, so we've got the, the, two, the two big bosses on the show right now. Uh, Mackenzie was the lead writer. So uh, we, we've had the folks who kind of know it um, really well um, on the show and, and kind of running things and really um, introducing uh, the rest of us to Filipino culture, which is phenomenal. Um, it's, it's so fun to hear someone else tell you stories about their history. Um, and I think to some extent, that's really what this show is about is, is learning about the Philippines um, and, and, yeah, just the world is phenomenal. Um, highly recommend that that supplement. It is, um, I said this uh, maybe a month or so ago um, when I was doing an, uh, another show talking about that particular supplement. It is, I think, my favorite piece of new uh, game design uh, in the 5e space in the last like two years. It's, it's so good. Um, but so that show is just a bunch of friends hanging out playing D&D &D and telling stories set in Paladin and Lucia's like culture. Um, and so it's phenomenal. Um, this season I'm playing a, like a grumpy old grandpa character. Um, like literally he's about to be a grandpa. His, his, his daughter is, is expecting. Um, and, and we've got this phenomenal family dynamic actually between uh, Lucia and I, where we're playing um, like uh, in-laws of, a married couple. Um, and so I am the, the wife's father and she is the son's mother. Um, and we're adventuring together and getting into these like fights about like, I thought you were the one who made the kids do this. It's, it's, it's delightful. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, like, I, 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 you could probably tell cause I'm rambling. <laughs> I could just talk about that show forever. Um, just because I love, I love the folks that we play with, um, some of my very favorite people, and, and it's a lot of fun. 
And that's every Friday at 7 Eastern on Rock Punch ATL, right? 7 p.m. Eastern time, Rock Punch ATL. Before we get to my last really important topic, I, I want to ask you something more generally about streaming specifically in D&D. Yeah. Do you think there's a difference between playing in a streamed D&D game versus playing in a home D&D game? There is definitely a difference. Um, now, depending on the culture around a specific channel and how um, like produced and professional uh, a show wants to come off or not, um, that difference could be minimized. Um, you know, uh, we try to stay on topic when we're playing over uh, for Tompo. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we go down a series of jokes and, you know, everyone has to take two seconds and take some deep breaths because we can't keep a straight face. Um, but, you know, I find like in my personal experience, a home game uh, or a game that isn't streamed, there's like every 30 minutes or so where like someone will share a meme that's relevant to what's going on or be like, oh no, that's kind of like, uh, you know, what's his face, pop culture reference. And then we like go on a, a two minute tangent about that show it was, oh, I didn't, I didn't really like him in that show, but the actor was good in this other show, right? And then, you know, someone's gonna be like, okay, hold on, hold on, we're playing D&D here, come on, y'all. Um, whereas I feel like, um, you know, for, for more polished streams, you, you may not see that. Um, but I, I also personally enjoy, I think there's an element of like, the mindset too, right? So when I'm going into a TTRPG stream, um, I'm like, okay, like I, this is a stream. I have to like, you know, be prepared to like play a character and, or, you know, if I'm DMing, like tell this story and do all these things and make sure that, that it's engaging. Um, whereas in a home game, you know, sometimes I'll be like, all right, cool. So I'm going to play this Mimi character and there's no way I'm going to stay in character. So it's just, anyways, hi guys. What's up? My name is Joe. I'm a smoker from down the street. Uh, uh, has anyone seen the bodega cat? <coughs> well, that was good <laughs> for my throat. Um, so, you know, like you, you, I'm, I'm willing to be a little bit goofier um, and go a little bit more off the rails uh, uh, for home games. I feel like, um, Whereas when I'm streaming, unless like, okay, this is a one shot, you can be goofy. Um, I, I try to be a little bit more like on task. Maybe that's a me thing. Maybe that's a me thing. Uh, people, uh, especially in, in one shots where you're getting random accents thrown at you, which is, which is, which is always, always entertaining for sure. That's, that's true. I seem to recall you threw a couple at me. Last time I, we did a stream together. Hey, hey, it, it, I, I, okay, no, it was, it, it was a hundred percent me. <laughs> there, <laughs> I, I, I will, I will admit that there was at least one. It might not have gone to you. I can't say for sure. At least one that I just wanted to see happen. That, that, that got slipped in, uh, got slipped into somebody's soup for sure. That's um, but, totally fine. Yeah, but it, and it's funny because, um, I'm, I'm, I play in a stream on Monday nights, mm -hmm. and I'm playing a character that's basically like a child doesn't have any concept of the world. And when we first, I I'm always the last one to log in because I try to have this dead expressionless face the whole time. And, and during a break, somebody asked me is like, are you having fun? 
like are, are, are like because you do not look like you're having fun i'm like no mm. just just because it's hard to get that that the relaxing all the muscles in my face because i'm like yeah. a happy guy i'm used to smiling just like looking like a zombie is not is not my my move but so i know exactly what you're saying um okay now for the last couple of years, uh, you've been a vocal supporter of Jasper's Game Day. And last year, you were brought on as assistant director of their ambassadors program. How did you, what brought you to Jasper's Game Day? And how has the ambassadors program changed the trajectory of their work? Yeah. Um, so uh, this is our first uh, year, 2021, the year of our Lord, or, or Anno Domini, or however you want to be fancy and say it. Uh, this year is our first full year with a, with an ambassador program. Um, applications went out the end of 2020. Um, the idea was let's get some some streamers, some folks who are kind of in the community um, to more or less be like boots on the ground and re represent this mission um, on on a more regular basis. Um, because uh, you know prior to the pandemic. Um, Jasper's had a local presence at most conventions, uh, but then between conventions, there wasn't necessarily like uh, a whole lot going on, the occasional thing, but, but um, you know, not, not as much. And with um, uh, COVID hitting, um, things went online. They've, they've done um, somewhat regular like uh, streamed events, but um, a big piece of what the ambassador program really is trying to do is, is filling those gaps um, because, you know, like our last big campaign uh, was in May um, and we've done, I think one small uh, event on an ambassador's channel since then. Um, but so that's why we've got ambassadors is to be out in, in the community, just reminding folks that like, hey, your mental health is important. Let's, let's take care of this. Um, for reference, uh, Jasper's um, is a nonprofit that does uh, uses tabletop gaming for the cause of suicide prevention. Um, so that being something that's near and dear to my heart, when um, the applications went out uh, end of last year, I applied. Um, and we got a month or two in and the ambassador program was really successful because we were doing um, events on individual ambassadors channels and um, kind of hitting like different subsections of the gaming world uh, because you know, we've got a streamer here who maybe is more into this style of video game um, and tabletop gaming is something that they do on the side. You're starting to pull in folks from like video gaming or you've got someone who's really more into like card games or board gaming um, and TTRPGs is kind of a side thing. You start to pull folks who are more interested in card games and board games. Um, and so uh, the ambassador program has uh, really kind of got two primary like goals, which is to be present in the community um, and to start to help Jaspers um, just get plugged into other areas of the gaming, greater gaming community, so that we can start to chat with folks who are more into video games or chat with folks who are more into, you know, card building, like like deck building games or, or even other types of streaming. Um, and so that's really kind of the purpose behind it. Um, and thus far, it's been very successful. Um, uh, by the end of, I think, April, um, the ambassador team had already smashed the goal that we had kind of said, hey, we think we could get this much from, you know, different ambassador charity streams, already smashed through that goal. And so we're like, oh, shoot, like, 
there's something to this idea, you know, and we've seen ambassadors through a number of other organizations already. So it's not like, you know, we're, we're, we're pioneering here, but still kind of building the program as we go, um, mm -hmm. tweaking things. And this year has definitely been a work in progress. Um, but as we're going along, we're learning lessons and, and, and trying to make this a better, more successful program um, as we go. Um, and, and I think we're um, ultimately on the right path. Um, takes a little bit of work to get there. Um, you know, we, we've learned some lessons along the way. Uh, we're adding a lot of staff members um, right now, volunteer staff, but, but having someone who come in and do a couple hours a week to help us like plan this next big event so that we've got more people making it easier for, you know, Fenway to like A, get her schoolwork done uh, because like Fenway's graduating high school, y'all. She's awesome. Yeah. Way more driven than I was as yeah. a senior in high school. Um, to have already, you know, started and, and have this nonprofit that's been flourishing for, for years now. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, take a little bit off of her plate um, and, and, and help make things a little bit more manageable. Because, like, I think she's going to college. You're not going to have time to, to, you know, nitpick all the details of an event when you're trying to write papers mm -hmm. and, and do all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, just trying to... Um, uh, manage as the organization grows and the reach grows, yeah. um, manage that. So we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're figuring it out as we go. Um, it's, it's a bumpy road, but we're getting there. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think most of the folks who are listening uh, to the show are, are very familiar with Jasper's, you know, I've had been fortunate enough. Fenway is my second two-time guest uh, nice. that I've had on the show. Uh, and always, always, always love talking to her. So um, this year's Jasper's was the the this has been Jasper's most successful year to date in terms of fundraising. Uh, Jasper's game week again broke its record for fundraising. Why do you think that Jasper's has been taken up so quickly by the community? Why has it resonated so effectively and, and why has it achieved such broad support? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's there's a couple of reasons, um, and some of them I think really lean into the state of things right now, um, in in this COVID world that we're in. Um, an organization that is focusing on mental health is ultimately going to feel a little more relevant um, and and seem a little bit more timely right now because everyone's mental health is trash, um, right? Like like it's just been a rough year for a lot of people. Um, and, and so finding um, an organization that is working on that feels, I think, to some like, wow, this is awesome. I, I want to get involved because I need that type of thing right now, you know. Um, so I think that's part of it right now. But just generally speaking, I think the tabletop community tends to be very um, in tune with, with mental health issues. That's something that, that a lot of folks use D and D or other, you know, narrative storytelling games like that to like be uh, uh, aware of themselves and how they channel their their personalities, their own, you know, flaws and and traumas into those characters that they're playing. Um, uh, you know, we joke sometimes about how like D and D is like therapy. It's not technically right. Like I'm not a licensed mental health counselor, but it, it is not a substitute for therapy, but it sure feels therapeutic at times. Um, 
and so you know i think it's just something that really um uh hits a spot that that kind of needs to be to be hit um uh and i think in particular it's it it's you know i i, I don't know that everyone necessarily has like personal experience with, with suicide um but especially for those of us that do um it's it's just something that that hits home you know um so I, I lost a cousin of mine to suicide a number of years back. Um, but, you know, like that still sits with me, right? Like I still occasionally like have to remind myself like, hey, it's not your fault that, that he's not around anymore. Um, and so having an organization that really kind of focuses on that and, and being involved helps me feel like, you know, hey, maybe I'm helping someone else not um, go and, 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 commit suicide in a way that um, has been really painful for my family, maybe I can, I can help someone prevent that. Um, and so I think that that's something that um, just a lot of people resonate with. Um, it's something that's easy to connect to as a mission, because it's something that uh, really touches with, with this kind of shared experience of loss and grief that, that we have just as people. Yeah, and I think ultimately, if the cause does nothing more than help even one person, it's a success. Absolutely. So it's a it's a tremendous cause, and and the goals are laudable. And thank you, of course, for all all that you've contributed to to Jasper's. And thank you for chatting with me tonight. I, I really I really appreciate it. And you know, I hope you had uh, I hope you had fun. Yeah, this is a blast. Maybe, maybe I'll be a future two-time uh, guest sometime. I got to do something noteworthy first, but you know we'll get hey, there. Like let's 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 see how the oozes the oozes supplement uh, slimes people, and uh, we'll go from there. Fair enough. You know, if they're good, maybe you let me back. Otherwise, it's just it's just yeah, all booze. No promises, exactly. All right, Josh. Thanks so much. Thank you. our show for this week thanks for listening if you haven't subscribed yet it's okay i won't beg but i will say please it's always good having you join me and remember if the die is cocked it doesn't count i look forward to chatting with you again next week